0: This is the 200 Churches Podcast, created to provide resources and encouragement to leaders of the 94% of congregations in America under 500 members. Now, here are two gentlemen that lead in a 200 Church and strive to provide information that will make you smile, think, and be challenged. Oh, and they're all around nice guys, Jeff and Johnny. Thank you for listening and welcome to this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. This podcast is here to encourage pastors of smaller churches. Johnny, if you're a Lay pastor, a bi vocational pastor, or a solo pastor, this podcast was created for you.
1: That's right. I'm Johnny Craig. The the man just doing the talking there was Jeff Cady. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And today we have a special guest with us. Jeff knows him as David Craig. I just know him as Dad. Oh shucks. Yeah. That's sweet. But yeah, my dad is in town, and uh, we thought we'd have him on here because, well, you
2: tell him. You spent
1: some time as a uh, as a pastor at a smaller church, am I right?
2: Yeah, Pops, Craig. Let's hear it. Yes, uh, I praise God for the opportunity to have spent the last 40 years pastoring what we would call small churches.
0: There are no small churches, only small pastors. <laughs> That's right. That's
2: huh? exactly right. That's what I think. I'm not even six feet tall.
1: <laughs> the, the, the literal spin. There we go. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. So, in in your time. Uh, in a small church What would you say What is the best thing Right About it
2: And what is the worst thing About it The best thing about a small church Is that you actually Get to know your people You get to know your flock well You can know all of them Individually You know their needs You're ministering As a shepherd To a specific flock Of sheep And you know all your sheep That's the best thing about it
0: That sounds like One of the podcasts We just did Yeah we were. Was that a podcast Or a blog post Who knows well, We <laughs> were just talking about They that.
1: run together Yeah, yeah. yeah. To
0: know, you get to know the people in your church, unlike larger churches. You, yeah. It's just impossible. It's just a different animal.
1: Absolutely. So what's the—now, uh, come on now, the womp-womp
2: moment. What's what's the worst thing that happened to you while pastoring? I don't know. And pastoring a small church, because everybody's family, you know everybody, but we're still all people, and people get miffed from time to time. And when you lose a family from a small church, sure, it is maybe the most devastating thing that can happen because it's, it's not just a person in the back row, it's a person in the back row who— mm did everything or helped with everything and with whom you were intimately acquainted and it's a heart-wrenching moment to lose a person in a small church
0: we lost a family last summer that had been here for about 15 years and that really was it was heart-wrenching for not just for me and and not even as much for me but for the people who had been here all those 15 years with them you know in a large church people can come and go from one sunday to the next or somebody who's been there for 20 years could walk out the door and most of the people 99 percent of the people would never know
1: Today we're talking about how to encourage the members of your small church, you know? Hopefully they don't leave. You so know?
0: is that the topic of the podcast today? That is the
1: topic of the podcast today. And in the room, we have a combined... How many years have you been doing small 27 church ministry? years. We have a combined uh, 67 years plus nine months. There you go. You're about to be born. <laughs> nine <right>. months <laughs> in ministry. That's right. I'm just in my gestational period here. Uh 20 uh 27 years plus 9 months of small church ministry. So this is the Brain Trust in here today. We're going to talk about how to encourage the members of your small churches, how to minister to them effectively in that way. What is the what's the first thing we have today?
0: Well, the first thing is that we ourselves have to be encouraged in ministry. And I remember in my first ministry, we had in the high 20s on a given Sunday when when I first started there and we bought this little tiny building. We remodeled the building, we put a a sign on the front, and this place was basically a dump, a remodeled dump, so it didn't look too bad. But it was small. I mean, it was like a shoebox. Our nursery was eight foot by eight foot. Wow. You, you can actually put a lot in a room that's eight foot by eight foot, but that was all the space we had in the downstairs, and I remember the night that we had put the sign up we had put the shutters on either end of the sign. The next day was going to be our opening Sunday in that church. And it was getting wet, and the paint was starting to just kind of run down the letters. Oh, no. And, but it didn't matter. I was so excited about that little church and the opportunity I had with those people. I was encouraged. So the first way that we can encourage our own church members is that we ourselves stay encouraged. And, David, you have a few more things to say on this.
2: Well, yeah, as we as we look at, our, as, at a smaller church, church, we have to remember that it is where God put us. This is our ministry. This isn't a stepping stone of a ministry. This is our ministry. We cannot look at our church as a starter church. We cannot look at our church as simply a place to be until God gives me a bigger church. This is where God put me. If we are in the ministry, we need to feel that we are where God put us right now.
1: And that's that's important, especially for younger guys like myself, to remember, because we, I personally grew up in a church culture where it seemed like, you go youth pastor, then maybe Associate pastor and then senior pastor, and here's the stages of of how to how to grow up as a pastor and move on to bigger and better and brighter things. So that's I think that's an excellent point.
0: I think the guys that are kind of egotistical, they're 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 pretty proud of themselves and confident in their abilities. I think these are the guys that look at churches like that as stepping stones, as a necessary evil when they're younger to get to the larger churches. But I think the guys that just want to love people and serve God, they don't really see that first church as a stepping stone. They see themselves staying at that first. Church for the rest of their lives, even though ninety-eight percent of them don't—maybe ninety-nine
2: percent—and here we have a, a story. Was my favorite hymn stories, and that's the story of the author that. Him, blessed be the tie. He was the story of a small village in England, and he'd been there for a number of years. And he was a very excellent preacher. He was a very excellent writer. He began to get known, and a big church in London came and asked him to come and be their pastor. He accepted the call to go to their church as their pastor. And but for his final Sunday, he wrote the sermon, the song, "Blessed be the tie" to be sung by his people. And as he's writing it, the the whole congregation is weeping. And so when they came to his house to help him pack up, I mean, it was it was such a sad occasion. It was. A, it was weeping all around and he looked and he, he realized that the church in London was not a promotion. The where he had was more of a promotion than he could ever have. And he stayed in that small church. He became a prolific writer and ministered to people everywhere through his writing. He had a profound impact on his own area and his own village. But the bigger church was not a promotion. The promotion was being where God wanted him to be. God had promoted him to that small church. And that small church was the promotion of God. And if we start with the fact that I have been promoted by God to the ministry, what a calling, what an incredible anointing of God to be called by him to be your his servant and if he says this is where I'm putting you what an honor to be honored by God with that that's a promotion by God right where you are maybe it's America
1: maybe it's the connection to the church with corporate culture but see you know we always are looking for promotions right um that that's kind of like the business mentality that's like people who want to grow and move forward we're always looking for promotions bigger and better bigger and better as ministers as pastors as people who are serving at small churches and, and leading small churches we need to be attracted by ministry that's what got us into this in the first place um, we need to be attracted by ministry and not just attracted by promotion and that's, you know, that story that you just told dad, you know, there's a guy who who thought, yeah, it's a promotion to go to London until he looked around and realized, no, God created this situation for me right here. This is the promotion, right? It, this is as good as it gets. So if you're listening today, you want to encourage the members of your small churches. The first way is be encouraged. This is where God
2: has you. And, and you know, this is where God wants you to be. Jeff and I were having breakfast this morning together and we were talking about Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came to this earth from the throne of heaven and he considered that his ministry on earth in the dirty villages of Galilee and the hostile environment of Jerusalem was his ministry. He didn't ask to go to Rome. He didn't ask to spend all his time in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, came and he spent his time in an area in which the Jewish leaders say, can anything good come out of Galilee? That has got to be our mentality. Jesus Christ himself took a small church. That's
1: the best hook we've ever had on the podcast.
2: <laughs> Jesus took a small church. That's,
0: that's going on a blog. And he never grew it very large. <laughs>
1: And, you know, that actually just takes us right into the next point perfectly. Um, You know, to encourage members of your small church, you need to be part of the congregation. You know, Jesus was with his disciples. He was part of that group. He was on his knees washing the feet. And we are called to be part of the congregations that we're serving. And a big part of that is the people can't feel like stepping stones. It can't all be about this promotion. Our people have to feel valued and loved if they're going to be encouraged. If they just feel like stepping stones, it's not going to work out that they're feeling
2: encouraged.
0: Well, I have hardly ever been a congregant in a church, okay? i 've never really been in a tender where I wasn't the pastor, but I can't imagine if I was working here in town, I had a, my, my career, had a home, my kids and my family are committed to the church, were involved, but knowing that the pastor just viewed our church because it's not a church of a thousand as just a stepping stone to his next position of greatness in the kingdom that wouldn't be too uh, that wouldn't be too good
2: no engaging in people's lives they're real people. They're not objects. They're not office furniture.
1: Pew fillers. (laughs)
2: They're not pew fillers. They're people. They are our sheep. And as we look at our sheep, we begin to understand the care that Jesus had for his sheep if we look at them with Jesus' eyes. And so what would Jesus do? Where's the first place we find Jesus in John chapter 2 after his baptism and temptation? We find him at a wedding feast. That's where we find him, celebrating with those who rejoiced. Where else do we find him? We find him by the burial bier of uh, the widow of Nain's son, weeping with those the weep. However, he didn't weep very long. He, he raised him from the dead, but he's there. He's there with Mary and Martha at Lazarus' tomb.
0: In the one place, he creates the best wine in the world. In the other place, he raises the dead. You want to invite Jesus to your party. <laughs>
1: So that, do you want to invite your pastor to your party? He's
0: the, he's the best party guest ever. Do your
1: people want to invite you to their party? You know, are we are we engaged in their lives in that same way? You know, do, would they invite us to those types of
2: things? I was pastoring a small church, which was a killer church. This, this small church I was pastoring was so brutal that every pastor that ever pastored there before me left the ministry. It was horrible. One of the ladies said to me, you know, pastors come and go. We're here forever. We don't really care about your influence. We don't care about your impact. And that's how they viewed their pastor. After I left under a cloud of sorrow, they called the nephew of the family that was the mm. power brokers mm-hmm. in the church, and they fired him six months later. Wow. I mean, they were hard on yeah. pastors.
0: Yeah, and you know, that that model and that situation there, wow. When Jesus told his disciples that the people of this world, the authorities they, they rule over— you know, they rule over the, the people under them and it should not be so among you. That kind of a church has never heard that kind of a lesson that to be in charge you serve.
1: Never taking it to heart, no, yeah. No, and
0: you serve you know, you serve in love. Serve and love, serve in love.
2: We do want to stay connected in every way that we can. If we love our Lord, then we love his people. we love his people, then we want to be in touch with them as he was in touch with them. This is just the way it is to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can say, Lord, encourage me today. Encourage me with your spirit. Encourage me today with your hope. Encourage me today with your promises and your word. I am here, your servant, your field. Lord, give me great joy in where I am at.
0: David, after 40 years of ministry, are there young people that are probably no longer young at this point? But have there been people come up through your churches that have gone on? to serve God. Maybe not just in vocational Christian ministry, but just to serve God with their lives, you know, as a committed disciple, business leader, or, you know, maybe maybe some kind of a of a public school or Christian school teacher, pastor, missionary. Can you point to people that that ended up in those directions?
2: Yes, I we keep in touch with some of the people from our past. We have some people who have gone on. I actually started an in-house Bible college. Because we had a, a, a request a pastored in a very low-income church in a very low-income area and uh, had a number of people who said well I'd like to go to Bible school but I'm now in my 30s and, and I can't afford to leave what I'm doing and would you start a Bible college here And I've been praying about it and I was waiting for somebody to verify My prayers. So we started a Bible college, and three people actually graduated from that Bible college. And that Bible college has now been. uh, We we left that church to go to the foreign mission field 31 years ago. All three graduates are still actively involved in ongoing weekly Christian ministry. It's a long time. That's
0: amazing, though, when you look back and you think of the chance encounters you had decades ago, and that these people, all the lives that these people touched, that those three people touched over the course of 30 years. Are people that were touched by your life?
2: Yeah, we had a little girl in a church, and she was the only child her age. And Jackie, and Jackie's my wife, and I started a youth group for her and today she is the youth leader in her church. That's been a great encouragement to look back and see that God has maintained a work, a ministry.
0: Johnny, uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast. We've talked about two things. Remind me what they are.
1: You have to be encouraged first okay. and foremost if all you're right. going to encourage so, people. Yeah.
0: And, and the whole topic again is encouragement people in our 200 churches. Yeah,
1: and then the second main point is be a part of the congregation, um, you know, in, in all these ways. You have be to be there, real, engage in their lives, show up, right. Okay. Th- these people aren't just stepping stones. Right.
0: And so the last thing we to to talk about was never be reactive. Don't react. One of my elders taught me this several years ago. Perhaps maybe I was reacting at the time. And I think I did. For many years, I reacted when people would say something. I might react defensively. I might react by trying to continue to persuade them toward my way of thinking. Uh, I might react in disappointment. But he said, don't ever let people see you react. As soon as you let people see you react, you've lost the opportunity to show grace, to show patience, to give forgiveness, to really display the person of Jesus to them. And I, I remember this time I was, at, uh, I was at a church in New York, and we had a, we had a balcony boardroom with two big plate glass windows that looked out uh, over the lobby from the second floor. I stood in front of one of them, and we were having a, I suppose you could call it a board meeting. And this guy was standing in front of me just about spitting in my face, Red faced, he was about ready to pop a giblet. I mean, this guy was so <laughs> mad at me. He was telling me I was destroying the church, I was destroying the Christian school, I, you know, on and on. And I'm standing there just thinking, wow, I could never be that good. I, I couldn't be that, I'm not smart enough to be that devious. The guy that was next to me, one of our elders, said to me afterwards, he said, Jeff, when he was coming after you like that, I had the strongest urge to grab him by the front of his shirt and throw him through that plate glass window. And I said to that guy, "You know what? You got you got a couple of girls. Probably good that you didn't, because their dad would be in prison for the rest of their lives. Because this guy, if he'd have gotten thrown through that plate glass window, he would have died. Now, I would term that as reactionary.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah, that's a little bit reactionary. So
0: we shouldn't react, but whenever we react too, we always give ourselves more time. We give ourselves more options. We have time to think of a different response. We have time again." To show grace to people. You know, it's okay if three or four people in your church react to you. It's really never okay when you, as a pastor, react in anger to one of your people. Because, uh, and, and it's not saying that we're not perfect, and, and if you have, well, then you know, then you have a new opportunity. You have an opportunity to apologize <laughs> and to grovel like you should, and, you know, to admit that you were wrong. Uh, but not reacting is a really good practice that gives you the opportunity to encourage your people. And I've had more than one person come to me afterwards and say, you know, thank you, I'm really sorry, I just kind of lost it there. Thank you for not, uh, thank you for not getting upset with me. So don't react. That will be an encouragement to your people.
1: So, finally, the, the reason the whole topic of encouragement is, um, is up today and encouraging members of your small churches up here today is, uh, is actually because my dad wrote a book, and, and the whole point of it was to encourage people, was to encourage leaders of churches and people who attend churches, um, really encourage anybody. So, Dad, do you just want to talk about the book for a minute?
2: The book was spurred by my son, Jonathan. He got a dog. This dog had the nickname of Devil Dog, and I would not let the dog in my house, so Johnny gave it to his little sister's boyfriend's family to take care of. Our daughter was over to boyfriend's house one night, and she called me, and she was just all upset. Dad, Dad, they're going to kill Molly tomorrow. They're going to put her to sleep because she's such a bad dog. She snapped at one of the kids tonight and took the food out of his hand. They're going to kill her tomorrow. And I said, oh, Johnny would be so upset if that dog died. I can't let Johnny be that upset. So I said, bring her over to our house. And Jackie looked at me, my wife looked at me and went, rolled her eyes. And I said, it's just for two days so we find her a good home. And Molly came in the door to our house. And remember, this is the devil dog that I cannot stand. And she jumped up in my lap and she laid there and she licked me and just licked me. And I said to Jackie, we're keeping this dog. She was ecstatic. And she said, no, we're not. And so we've had the dog now for six years. And the story, The Gospel According to Molly, that's my book, The Gospel According to Molly, is the lessons I learned about God and me through me and Molly. And I said, I got to start looking at this dog from the perspective of God looking at me. And so all of The Gospel According to Molly comes out of our walks and how God taught me about him, about our relationship, how I came to him, and how I grow in him and live with him. And God encourages, and I said, i got to write this to encourage other people. And that's the book.
1: It's a great book. Check it out, Gospel According to Molly. We're going to throw a link to it in the blog for this podcast. Check out the book. It's it's encouraging for you. It just reminds, uh, reminds us of small truths about our relationship with God. And uh, also, my dad does a daily devotional at adoringgrace.blogspot.com. It is his Abundant Grace blog. We'll put a link to that in the blog as well. You want to send us out here, Jeff?
0: Sure. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. Feel free to give the guys feedback or ask questions at 200churches.com. And remember, the leadership that you provide in your 200 church matters big in the kingdom of God.